Welcome, everybody, to Portal to Ascension Radio. This is your host, Neil Gore, the founder of Portal to Ascension, your source to explore and expand your consciousness, an online platform that we also do live events, retreats, tours, conferences, have a webinar university, a Netflix-like backend for consciousness presentations designed here to empower and assist us in the shift, the paradigm shift that is now occurring on the planet so that we can transcend and ascend into the highest octaves of existence and that we can live in peace and harmony on Earth. And that's why you right now are here listening to me because that's your intention as well and that's the energy that's the synchronicity that brought you to who you are and why you're here in this moment so today i'm excited because we're continuing the flow we're continuing the flow and we have portal to ascension 2020 speakers non-stop we haven't even gone halfway yet and i'm hoping you're enjoying all the downloads that we've been getting from these amazing presenters Today, we're going to go into the ancient mysteries of Michael Feely. Michael Feely is an amazing individual with so much um, occult information and awareness that it's just mind-blowing. And just a little bit about him. And then we're going to go into an interview with him and Omar from Watchers Talk TV, who's also a great friend of mine who helped co-host some of the conference. I've been on many of his events. Check out Watchers Talk TV on YouTube. So him and Michael are going to have a discussion in just a moment. And who is Michael? Michael Feely is a former UK police officer and now ancient codebreaker who has authored seven paperback books and several ebooks on various esoteric subjects and is also public conference speaker. Michael is a multiple paranormal experiencer and has personally witnessed dimensional portals, UFO sightings day and night, received telepathic invites to attend certain locations, has seen the spirits of his British royalty, King Charles I, and has seen E.T. being face-to-face, among many other encounters. Michael now uses his 17 years of evidence gathering knowledge and investigative training to break many ancient codes that previously remained a mystery throughout the world. The face of history can now be changed if Michael demonstrates to you a ciphered code left for us to find within the famous monuments of the ancient world. What you have previously been told can now be rewritten. Michael Feely. Obviously, I was a, a police officer for 17 years in, in England, in the two largest cities. And I used to do lots and lots of, obviously, investigations. And strange things happened to me in 2009 when I was seeing lots of UFOs. I was having visitations. I was receiving lots of strange messages. And in 2009, it actually caused me to actually leave uh, my career. So there's a lot, a lot happening. Uh, to me. So I wanted to take that. What I, I, I now look into the mysteries of the world. I, I look into the ancient monoliths, the monuments. I look into the religions of the world. And what actually started, I actually started to think that they were individual projects. They weren't individual projects uh, when I started researching them. I, I realized that they were actually all just one thing. They were all talking about the same thing. They were all talking about the same thing by theme and by mathematics. So what I started to do was actually piece together everything and realize that everything was just one message, which is consciousness and enlightenment. So what, what is consciousness? Well, consciousness is really the perception of what comes through your brain, comes through your mind. And that relies really on the, on the power of the five senses, which is, you know, the, the normal five senses of human beings. So when, when we actually reach the sixth sense, we then start looking into the third eye. And the third eye then connects us to the, the spiritual world, 
beyond the five senses. Now, the third eye is important when you look at the likes of Egypt, the eye of Horus, and when you start looking at Egyptian hieroglyphs, which are really uh, what they called the Medu Aneta, and that really means the language of God, and it was with the power of the narrative of what they called Heka, which is basically the art of speech. So we had the art of speech in, in the beginning was the word. So we have all of this, this, this stuff that is actually appealing to the right brain. And the, the, the right brain uh, communicates and deals in symbols like hieroglyphs and the Nazca lines and like crop circles. Now, the Egyptian hieroglyphs are triple layered. And they are triple layered because that really is a transcendental consciousness. And that really takes you to a higher consciousness, which is the fourth state. That really goes beyond the common three, which is waking, dream, and sleep. Now, you acquire this higher consciousness by what is known as a one-pointedness of mind. It is really the essence of mind. And when you concentrate and when you focus. Now, the mind is important because when you look at the likes of the Great Pyramid, the Great Pyramid is actually a gigantic replica of the human brain, the, the human mind. And it is a tripartite of consciousness. And by that, I mean, it shows the, it marks out the three and main endocrine system of the brain, which is the thalamus, the pituitary gland, and the pineal gland, which is the endocrine system. Now, this is marked out in the Great Pyramid. And I've put a, a map overlay of the human head over the Great Pyramid and discovered that where the king's chamber is situated is where the pineal gland is. And where the queen's chamber is situated, you have the pituitary gland. And you also have that little tower looking thing inside the pyramid, which is in, in China and Japan, is the Shinto. And it's called the Shinto because that means a pathway to the gods. Now, it is really important to the ancients, and it's a message that they've left, that we need to concentrate the mind and we need to escape the five senses of this reality. If you look at the likes of Easter Island, Easter Island, why can you only see the Eds of Easter Island? That is because they are telling you to concentrate on the divine mind. They're telling you not to concentrate on the body of senses, but to concentrate on the sixth sense, which is the divine mind. And that is why you can only see the Eds of Easter Island, and that was really a clue. What I also found as well, uh, there's lots and lots of things we, we could literally talk all night, uh, but I discovered that the actual bible that the true bible is is the Giza platter and you have the likes of the noah's ark noah's ark is really the great pyramid when you look at the likes of uh, mary as in mother mary mary in egyptian comes from mariam which means the beloved of amun now amun is obviously a, a, an egyptian god and amun also gives us the word amen and all of this, this consciousness began to expand for me. And I actually came up with a mathematical formula for the speed of reality. Now, when you reach the speed of reality, it becomes a trans-dimensional travel. What I didn't realize is when I was coming up with this mathematical formula for the speed of reality, it actually corresponded to octaves within the Great Pyramid. So even they were on, on the same sort of thought as I was uh, with the speed of reality because the speed of reality some of the mathematical equations within that matched the octaves within the great pyramid so Giza for me 
was influenced by planet Mars, not by Atlantis. And when you look at the likes of the word Cairo, it means the place or camp of Mars. When you look at the Sidonian city, uh, Mars is really a, should we say a midway point for visitors. And you see that the, the, the likes of the Sidonian city, mathematically, marks the exact location of the likes of Stonehenge and the Giza Plateau on Earth. You find that the Giza Plateau and Stonehenge mathematically marks the location of the face on Mars and Sidonian City. So Mars is really a stop-off point for many extraterrestrials that are, that are coming to Earth, and it is really sort of a, a navigational system. The, 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 the face on Mars is a mile long because a mile is actually a navigational distance so we have all of this and me when i've looked into how these monuments were created and how the great pyramid was created i found that that, that they were actually created by a super advanced force that was using sound and breath in order to put these monuments together including the sardonian city on mars which took a 19.5 degree effect as did the major monuments of Earth. Now, the reason I say that is when sound waves experiments have been conducted at 432 hertz, it takes the form of a tetrahedron, a pyramid. And 432 hertz is quite used quite widely in the Great Pyramid. Now, when you have the square factor of 432, it equals 144. So then we go into the speed of light in nautical grid mile seconds, which is 144,000. You then start looking at the 144,000 uh, limestones of the Great Pyramid. You can then start looking at the, the biblical 144,000. It is really uh, an Egyptian principle. Now, when you start looking at the likes of religion, uh, and I've, I've literally put all religions together as one message, whether that's Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Catholicism, Hinduism, I've actually managed to put them all together in order to, to show what they were actually telling us. And each religion is actually worshipping the same thing under a different name. Now, when you start looking at the likes of Christ, Christos, it was originally Crest or Crestians. In Egypt, the Crest and the Crestians were the teachers of the oracles. In other words, the high priests that used to speak of the sacred knowledge and they would only speak of this sacred knowledge to the initiates now the initiates as part of their initiation were rubbed in oil which is basically the anointed ones so the initiates were the anointed ones and we see the likes of of, of the gigantic sphinx of egypt which is called the shepherd and the shepherd means the living image so in other words the Sphinx is the living image of Osiris and Christ because the, the Sphinx is obviously a solar deity. It, uh, it has reference to the sun. It has reference to the, gu the guardian of the gateway of, of heaven and the duet, which is hell. And we see that it also marks the birth of the cosmic seed, which is the solar sun. Now, the Bible tells you that the woman appeared clothed in the sun with the moon at her feet. So what does that mean? That means that on the 11th of September, when Virgo comes up via the horizon, Virgo means virgin, and she is clothed with the sun, the solar sun, the Christ, the virgin, and the Christ. This happens on the 11th of September. So the true birth date 
of Christ is actually the 11th of September and not the 25th of December. 25th of December was Sol Invictus, it was a Roman cult, and they wanted to amalgamate the Christian belief system with their own sun worship system, and that is why they came up with the 25th of December. So the true birth date of the cosmic Christ, the cosmic seed, is the 11th of September. When you start looking into the likes of the Illuminati, the Illuminati means the illuminated ones. What is the most illuminating thing that we see on this planet? It is the sun. So it makes sense that the Pindar, who is the reported head of the Illuminati, is really the sun, the solar sun, the Christ, the meta metaphorical Christ. Christ himself didn't actually walk the earth. It is a metaphor. I then started looking into other cultures. Let's just uh, hang on there for a sec, Mike. I just want okay. to quickly uh, jump back. Uh, you know, I found, uh, you know, the uh, speed of reality uh, really interesting. Uh, is that, uh, you know, somehow connected to the uh, speed of light as well? Or is that uh, much faster uh, than uh, the uh, speed of light? Now, the, the, the speed of light is much faster. Uh, the, the speed of light is really a speed limit for the human body beyond the speed of light the the, the atoms the, the subatomic particles that keep us together cannot sit together beyond the speed of light so the only way that, that a human physical body could go faster than the speed of light would be in what is known as a warp bubble now I've actually, I've actually experienced a warp bubble what a warp bubble is is where space is contorted at the front of you and it is expanded behind you so in, in effect you are in a protective bubble where regardless of the speed that you are traveling, you are in effect standing still. So that, that is a real war bubble. And, and I experienced that when I had a visitation from an Egyptian Pharaoh in 2017. So the, the speed of reality is not the speed of light. Uh, the speed of light is something completely different, but the speed of reality is really a transcendental uh, period where we can actually transcend this reality. And as I say, when I was working out the mathematical formula for it, there was one specific number in there that actually corresponded to the raw octaves of the Great Pyramid. So it was really interesting. I, I didn't know when I was working it out that it would actually be connected to the Great Pyramid. So they, they, they are uh, different things. Are the pyramids in, uh, in Mexico, uh, and do they, are they the, um, the same expression as the ones in uh, Egypt and other pyramids around the world as we see like in China? and uh, Southeast Asia? Every pyramid, every monolith, every uh, character from the Anunnaki to the Egyptian gods, to the religious gods, to the gods of South America, to the gods of, of Europe, to the gods all over the world, are really talking about, metaphorically talking about enlightenment and consciousness. And regardless of the name of the god, whether it's Allah, Yahweh, Jehovah, uh, Krishna, Vishnu, they're all re basically speaking of the same thing, which is human potential, human enlightenment. And I've managed to, to connect all of these religions, uh, Judaism to Islam, Islam to Hinduism, Hinduism to Christianity. Uh, just, just an example of that, you can look at uh, Catholicism at the Vatican. Vatican comes from Vatika. Tika means third eye. When you look at the, the main pyramids of Tikal, Tikal, Tika, third eye. So by theme, we've now just connected Catholicism with the pyramids of the Mayans. So you can see that this is a, a similar theme throughout the world and also beyond the world. And 
again, the, the, the right brain, you know, many celebrities, many, many actors, they will cover one of their eyes, which is the left or the right eye of Horus. If they're covering their right eye to expose the left eye, that is telling you that they operate from the right brain. Now, when, when you look at how the, the right brain communicates, it communicates through imagery. Uh, and that's why we have the likes of hieroglyphs. That's why we have the likes of the Nazca lines. That is why we have the likes of, of crop circles. And what I've also found by listening to the frequency of diatonic ratios within crop circles, in other words, within, within the geometric shape of crop circles, there is a language that is hidden within the geometric shape. When I've listened to that and when I've listened to sounds artificial sounds coming from the rings of Saturn. They are pitch perfect, they are an exact match. So many of the crop circles that are in England are created by the rings of Saturn. And it is a deliberate message coming from the rings of Saturn. Why, why is it that the, the area of Stonehenge sees 99.9% .9 of crop circles each year? Because Stonehenge is a receiver aerial for these messages. Is that somehow connected to the uh, matrix moon mate uh, or the uh, Saturn moon matrix? It is all connected because the, the moon, you know, the, the Anunnaki did not bring the moon, mm -hmm. and, but, but the moon was found and the moon has been used and the moon is a satellite that obviously has an influence on Earth. Now, the, the ancients depicted such an influence by the likes of the, the, the crook and flail of Osiris, which is a 23 and a half degree angle. Now, the reason that it is a 23 and a half degree angle is because the moon keep the earth at a 23 and a half degree tilt. So that is what they are telling you in an esoteric way. As a result of that 23 and a half degree tilt, we have the four seasons. We have oceans that are liquid. We have an inhabitable temperature. So without the moon, as with the sun, there would be no life on earth. So, but the ancients were telling you that it's a result of this that humanity is stuck in a cycle and that we have, to, we have to transcend the cycle in order to escape the death life cycle on Earth. Do you think that uh, the moon uh, may be transmitting uh, the uh, frequency that's coming off of Saturn? I certainly think, uh, yes, I, I, I do. I, I think... It's it, it certainly in, in terms of pitch and in terms of the, the, these, these are coming from the rings of Saturn. And even NASA has said, when you look at the hexagram on the North Pole of Saturn, it is a cloud formation. Now, as we know, clouds do not remain static, they move. But this cloud formation remains static in the shape of a hexagram. Now, even NASA have said, this is being held together by some something. Mm -hmm. So when you start looking at the rings of Saturn being used to beam sound, which is creating crop circles on Earth, you sometimes have to have a signal booster. And I think the likes of the moon is such a signal booster. But the, these fabulous patterns do contain messages and they are a language contained within sound waves. So <clears throat> from what I understand, the uh, Stonehenge is uh, essentially translating uh, these um, sound waves that are coming off of Saturn. Am I correct on that? What Stonehenge is doing, it's actually a radio receiver. Mm -hmm. So it's actually picking up the actual uh, sound waves from the Saturnian rings. And it is actually translating that into an image on the, on the crops. Now and also, 
sorry, go ahead, Mike. Now to say, and, and even uh, the, the planet Saturn, uh, Kronos, whatever, <clears throat> is, is associated with harvest and crops. So again, when you start looking at crop circles, which are crops and Saturn's connection, it's all a deeper meaning to just Kronos or just Satan or just Saturn. There is a deeper meaning to these things. Is there a, um, and because we've seen when, uh, you know, a few times now on video, when uh, these crop circles appear, there seems to be a orb that's, uh, you know, hovering around and it's the orb that's actually creating the, uh, the crop circles. Is there any connection between the orb and uh, Stonehenge? The orb is, is really, you, you can actually create orbs by what are known as vacuum domains within the, within the brain. Now, when, when lots and lots of people get together and, and they focus their consciousness, and again, it goes back to uh, acquiring our, our consciousness by, by a pointedness of mind, a concentration of mind. When people gather together and they all focus their mind, they actually create orbs, which are self-radiant balls of light. And these, when you see lots of spiritual gatherings, you can see lots and lots of orbs in, in the sky. Uh, around them. These are the results of vacuum domains that create these, these self-radiant balls of light. Now what is also interesting about these vacuum domains is that they are miniature wormholes and they replicate the gigantic wormholes of space. So we have what in our mind we have the same as what is in, in the cosmos. So it's almost as above, so below. Within our DNA, within our brain, we also have extra dimensions. So in other words, that is limited space outside of our DNA. So we really are the universe encompassed into an organic vessel. Now, uh, we understand that, uh, you know, we're beginning to understand in the uh, conscious community that uh, planets and, uh, you know, everything has consciousness. Now, my question about these, um, you know, crop circles is that if Saturn has consciousness and the Earth has consciousness, might it be that the two planets are trying to communicate with one another? They do communicate with one another. Uh, everything does. Uh, even when you look at two flowers, two plants, trees, they are communicating through chemical signaling. So they are conscious beings. Now, when you look at the, the science theory of perceptronium, it means that everything has a consciousness and everything <clears throat> must have a consciousness because even when you look at the likes of subatomic particles, photons, other subatomic particles, it has been proven that these subatomic particles can actually decide whether or not they wish to be a wave or a particle. It's, it's under the, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. So if, they, if, if subatomic particles can actually decide if they want to be a particle or a wave, then firstly, that demonstrates great consciousness. Secondly, it demonstrates a decision-making process. And thirdly, it makes you realize that they are aware of what they currently are in order to make the decision whether or not they wish to change. And it's called the collapse of the wave function. When you start looking into the, the collapse of the wave function, you see that physicality is basically collapsed from a wave form. And by observation, it collapses that wave into what we know as physicality. So without observation, it then returns back to a wave. So when you look at the double slit experiment that was done with the photon, when the photon went through the gap, it was acting as a wave. When it come outside of the wave, it would be acted as a particle, but 
what what scientists also realise is that these things behave behave differently when they are under observation. Was that uh, was that you in the background, Mike, or is uh, somebody's mic on? No, no I can. Okay, I can hear somebody. It's a female voice. So hopefully, it wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I've changed. I've, trans I've transformed. <clears throat> uh, now, but, uh, let's, uh, you know, let's quickly uh, talk about uh, the. Um, you know, if you guys are interested, Mike uh, did some work uh, with uh, Portal to Ascension uh, about a year ago, and uh, he did a fantastic uh, presentation there called the uh, Ancient Code. Um, the uh, the serpent fire, Mike. Uh, can you uh, talk about that for a couple of minutes? Because uh, right now I'm in the process of actually reading that book. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but uh, you know, just a fascinating book. And uh, you know, I'd like to uh, hear a little bit more insight uh, about this book from you. Yeah, of course. I mean, when I when I write a book, as soon as I finish the book, uh, lots more of information gets downloaded, and then that book sort of becomes uh, secondary to the one that's coming but the, the the ancient code serpent fire is really what is the serpent fire when you start looking at the ancient cultures of, of kundalini and the, the the dormant serpent within at the base of the spine which is really what quetzalcoatl is which is really what kolkakan uh, is it is really the serpent at the base of the spine and that serpent at the base of the spine which incidentally i've actually seen is a chemical fire that is pure white. It is a faceless serpent. Now, when it is activated by certain practices, certain rituals that the initiates did, that the, the high priests did, that the oracles did, it activates this serpent, which then rises up Jacob's ladder, which is the spine, and it activates each of your seven chakras as it rises. Now, when it rises, if it's unhindered because your chakras are pure, your chakras are open, your chakras are an open door, then it rises to uh, your crown, to your consciousness and beyond into the cosmos. If there are any blockages in your chakras, this is why Christ had to, to cleanse the unclean spirits, which is really the seven chakras. If it, if it gets hindered in any way, that serpent descends. So in other words, that is Satan, the descending serpent from heaven, which is the higher chakras. So this is really what, what, what is the serpent fire. It is really the activation of your inner fire, your inner serpent. Why was Jesus a carpenter? When you look at ancient languages, carpenter comes from the word nanja. Nanja means the serpent of wisdom. And as I say, when you look at the likes of Quetzalcoatl and all these, they are talking about the serpent of wisdom, which is the Kundalini at the base of your spine that is risen through certain practices. We see that in uh, Chinese cultures as well with the uh, dragon. The, the, the dragon is important because the dragon became a later metaphor for the serpent. So when you see a dragon or when you see a serpent, when you see some of the, the Anunnaki uh, tablets where you see what looks to be a circle, looks like to be some kind of uh, knitting wheel, what that really is, that, that is telling you of the, the, the circuit of the dragon. And that is really uh, the, the, the orbit of consciousness. And the consciousness is important because when you start looking at uh, Anubis, which is really uh, the, the, the horizontal circle that divides Sirius A and Sirius B, Sirius A is Isis, Sirius B is Nepsis. One is visible, one is invisible. So when you have Anubis, who is the horizontal circle that divides the two, it is really the division of the visible and invisible, the division of light and dark, it is talking about duality. Now, when you look at the likes of Nibiru, 
that we told has a 3,600 year orbit. Well, 3,600 in Sumerian is written as a large circle. It is talking about an ecliptic of consciousness. And that is really what they're, they're talking about. And I heard Billy talking about uh, UFOs doing a 90 degree right angle turn. 90 degrees is extremely important in consciousness. If you get a circle and you put a cross inside, the cross hits the circle every 90 degrees. When you wish to change from one reality or from one grid to another, you do that at 90 degree angles. When the Masons do their 33 degree initiation called the rising, they rise at 90 degrees. So we really have a lot of 90 degrees in terms of consciousness as well. So that is why you see the likes of UFOs shifting at 90 degrees because they're changing from one grid to the next. That then fits into Einstein's theory of relativity. When you start looking at points of reference, when you start looking at geometry, when you start looking at the universe being a gigantic grid of navigation. Now, do you think these uh, UFOs, uh, they're being uh, controlled uh, consciously uh, through the mind of uh, these beings? And, um, you know, that's why they're shifting consciousness as the uh, UFOs and uh, like, like, while it's in play here on Earth? Some of them are said to, to be steered by the mind. Uh, I think some of them are not. I think, again, when you look at certain humans, you know, some, some humans have enlightenment some humans don't when you look at the technical uh, technological differences between certain et races some of them are younger than others some of them have greater technology than others so some of them are being driven by the mind some of them are not when you look at the likes of roswell which is probably one of the most famous ufo incidents ever uh, what i can say is what happened on that day the location was deliberately chosen uh, and it was deliberately chosen because it was on the 33rd parallel so these, these things are happening. I, I've seen tons of UFOs day, night. I've seen them come through dimensional portals. I've stood next to an extraterrestrial uh, being, six foot three being with, with black eyes. I've seen all of these things. So I do know that they are here and I do know that they're, they're visiting here. So some of them, yes, and others, I, I think they're, they're, they're piloted in, in the conventional sense. Now, I've uh, heard testimonials coming from uh, people who've been abducted, and uh, some of them have said that, uh, you know, when they've gone on to, uh, you know, their vessel, uh, you know, it was organic, and where there was no window, when they thought about a window in that particular area, a, a window would appear. Uh, what do you think that is? Um, you know, like, I have a hard time uh, even comprehending that. When you, again, when you look at the, 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 the makeup of the universe and the makeup of psychology, the makeup of humans, the makeup of everything, everything is a perception. Everything is the opinion of the observer. And that is the same with subatomic particles, with gigantic nebulas, with the human body. When we see things in the distance, you know, the, the horizon doesn't actually exist. It's just a perception that it does. Now, when you look at the likes of Fort, Fort is where we get the Egyptian god Teote because thought is a higher level of awareness, a higher level of understanding. So when you go into these vessels and you think, then you are manifesting this as a perception. This, this vessel, this organic vessel, because you are part of everything anyway, you are, you are not separate from anything. So when you go on an organic vessel where they have you know, uh, generators of inertia just to, to keep everything as a balance, you are creating these things through instant manifestation because we all have these powers. 
but we have we they are slowed down in a third dimensional density and we have lost the ability because we're quite reckless as a race uh, and i think when we start if, if, if the human race in its current form was able to instantly manifest i think we'd have greater problems than we already have now now you know i, I find this very fascinating uh mike because uh there was a uh uh, a UFO uh, sighting in uh, Africa, I believe you might know about it, uh, where it was seen by a bunch of school children, uh, you know, like 50 or 60 of them. And uh, when researchers afterwards came and uh, asked them to uh, draw what they had seen, uh, surprisingly, a lot of these uh, kids, they were drawing, uh, you know, totally different things of what they were seeing. And, uh, you know, some of them looked alike and uh, some others didn't. Uh, you know, some seen a triangle, some saw a circle, some saw a cigar shaped. Uh, what do you think that is? Do you think it's that the UFOs like consciously projecting um, images the way it wants to look, depending on the person that's viewing it according to their vibrational frequency or distortion? They have the ability uh, to do these things. That They have the likes of metamaterial, which is the refraction of light, so they can remain invisible. They have the, the, the powers to be able to, yes, to, to appear as they wish. Uh, the being that I saw was in, in a, and, and my wife saw it, and a friend of ours saw it as well. And this was in a crowded place. Now, this, this being, as they were six foot three, black eyes, uh, the skin of his face looked like it had been stretched over the contours of his cheekbones. He was not human. He was not from here. And yet, it was only the three of us in a crowded room that could see him as he appeared. So they do seem to have the ability to do this. But again, when you look at electricity, when it hits atom, it creates a subjective consciousness. That subjective consciousness is an opinion based on perception. So not everybody sees the same thing, but, but people see what they project to see. So the, these, these craft are so advanced that they are able to transform and give an appearance that they wish to be seen by. But again, bringing it down a lot of scales, when you look at the likes of spirits in the spirit world, they can also do the same. Now, would you need to be, you know, I would imagine that if you have technology like that or awareness like that, you would belong to, you know, like a class one civilization or a class two civilization that go around terraforming uh, galaxies or uh, solar systems in themselves. Do you think that they are the type of people that may be behind these uh, UFOs and uh, they're coming around to uh, check us out? Well, the, 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 there's different kind of beings. There are, there are the, what, what we consider to be aliens, to be ETs that, that actually transit to different star systems in vehicles. And those vehicles are often discs or cigars because when you look at electromagnetic space propulsion, which is really riding on the crest of waves, electrical waves, it is really the cigar shape and the disc that is best suited for that kind of travel. So they have different forms of travel. When you start looking at intergalactic beings, they don't need physical craft to get around. So there's different levels of, of, of these beings. When everyone has really been created with the ability to create, human beings create, we have children, uh, human scientists are now creating a lot of the things that they're doing is not in the mainstream is not in the public awareness but what they're doing beyond the scenes 
is really, you know, uh, flown in. They're, they're doing all these, they're, they're, even Japanese scientists are now putting messages inside human DNA, which is going from generation to generation to generation. So human scientists are doing this and, and we all have the ability to create within that creation. If you were to ask me, who is God? Then I would say, forget religions, forget religious gods, because they are really metaphors as a pathway to the true creator. When you look at how the universe is created, it is mathematical. Everything conforms and everything relates to a mathematical sequence. So therefore, the creator must be a mathematical supreme mind. And when I've looked at uh, the Great Pyramid, because Egypt is really the epicenter for a lot of, of, of what I do. And when I've looked at the Great Pyramid, I've actually found codes in there that indicate that my last statement, uh, that the Great Pyramid was put there by this creative mathematical force. All right. Uh, great place to leave it. Wow, what a fascinating mind that you have, Michael. Um, you know, you leave me, uh, you know, wordless, uh, you know, almost each and every time. Like I've said, I have to go back and rewatch your videos to uh, fully understand and grasp what you're saying. But, uh, you know, we don't have time. We've uh, run out of time between you and I. And, uh, you know, before we uh, wrap up here real quickly, uh, you know, give us a, a little uh, lowdown on uh, what's coming up for you and uh, how people can uh, reach you. What's coming up for me at the moment, and, and again, I, I, I do apologize for the camera not working. I hope it hasn't uh, taken away any enjoyment. It was working, ironically, before this interview. But what's coming up for me, uh, I'm writing two books simultaneously. One of them is called The Serious Point, A Stargate to the Gods. And that goes deeply into the portals that the Egyptians were creating, portals that were, were being aligned to certain monuments, especially Egypt. Uh, and I'm also writing a book simultaneously called the secret Christ. And that goes a lot into connecting each and every major religion into one solitary message. So those two things I'm also writing, as you said at the, at the beginning, uh, a series of children's books, taking this advanced ancient knowledge and bringing it to the minds of, of children, because I believe that we need to address some kind of balance because they are, they are being given too much false history. So the, these are the kind of things that are going on for me. And of course we've got your event, uh, in just over a week's time. So, so these are the, the most imminent things for me. And that was Michael Feely. If any of you are interested, you can go ahead and learn more about Michael on his website, michaelfeely.com, and check him out on YouTube as well. It has a lot of great content. And that what we just went over here was just really the the scratching the surface of the information that he has. It's pretty mind-blowing, so do check him out. All right, so we're coming to a time, you know, the close, as they say. So... What I've actually decided to do is, if you've been paying attention at all to my past podcasts, we, I've been ending every single podcast with a spoken word piece for myself, but I just completed the first conscious open mic night called The Woken Word on Portal to Ascension. It took place in January. We're gonna have another one in February. Hopefully we're gonna do this every single month. And there were many amazing poets there. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to start featuring different musical acts. And this podcast is becoming more of a radio show now. So we're going to have different music uh, from people that have been on our events, from the open mic, poets, um, singers, songwriters. And then, of course, I'm going to be doing a lot of spoken word continuously as well. So if you want to check out my spoken word, go to my Instagram at MC underscore resonance. That's at MC underscore resonance. And check us out on YouTube and also on Facebook at Portal to Ascension. 
And right now, we're going to go into the first featured poet of um, the podcast. And this is E.E. E. Watts, my good friend E.E. E. Watts. So introducing E.E. E. Watts, everybody. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Love you all. See you next time. Here we go. So welcome to the first episode of The Woken Word, a concept spurred from the mind or third eye of the man, the myth, the legend, MC Residence, who not only has an eloquence for words, but a knack for gathering the pack. Thank you for creating this bliss for us. And to this room zooming with creators, blooming, alchemists assisting as we're twisting and turning and learning and burning. Visionary fairies, contemporary yet ancient souls playing our roles as key code activators. We are the navigators leading the way through this vast array playing with language, pushing the edge, star seeds, spirits freed, source flowing through us like all the force of a rushing river. Our hearts gushing with love, we speak our truth. Thank you for being here in this multi-dimensional sphere. Now, before we dive in, let's begin to get into our skin. Put a hand on your heart before we start this night of art. Take a deep breath in. Even just showing up here is a win. Let's see a grin. Now close your eyes. A little exercise to optimize the experience. It's imperative we ground to prepare for the profound do you hear that sound? Our hearts pound as one we've begun. This is going to be so much fun. Have your feet touch the floor to prepare for what's in store. Let's get ready to explore. Lose sight of the shore, dig down to our core, we'll soar. Whether we've met before in this life or another, each and every one of you I adore. Okay, now before we get going, flowing, growing, let's remember this feeling of slowing, the breath. Three times in through the nose, then a big release from the mouth, send it all south. Everything you don't need freed so we can proceed. Okay, on the count of three with me. Okay, now that we're here, let's hear, let our worries disappear. I'm no Shakespeare, but thank God for that. I'm me, as you can see, and who's that? E. Watts takes a shot at her smooth transition from an introductory message into a slice from her signature piece. If we were in a dimly lit cafe, the audience would clap or is it snap and then zap into the next act. But since I'm here in the flow, it's best that I just go. 
I'm E.E. E. Watts, constantly unfolding, ever-evolving creatrix. I like a mix. I'm a love high priestess. It's so nice to meet you. <laughs> so you're probably asking, who or what is a high priestess of love? A dove from above wearing a human glove. No push, no shove, just love. She embodies the ecstasy to be free. She is a bee on skis diving into a sea of possibility with glee. She's also a tree and her words are a key so that you see you always had the treasure. You are powerful beyond measure, deserving every pleasure and limitless leisure. She is here to remind you it's always the last place you look. So open up that book, get shook, forgive the crook, get yourself off the hook you put yourself on. She's a swan to which you are drawn. Welcome to her salon of neutrons and electrons dancing in electro ecstatic bliss. You don't wanna miss this a bliss to reminisce of a time back then when we were wise men and women with an X. I on the apex, excited for what's next. It's okay to be a little perplexed. And you follow, cause you no longer want to wallow or feel hollow or you wonder which pill to swallow. Screw door number four, let's go through the one in the floor to see what's in store. And before we go, just know there is no hierarchy. Question everything. We have wings, we don't need a king, but we'll take a rabbit with a habit of opening up stargates with mates in their birthday suits with a flute like a pied piper playing a merry tune under the full moon at noon love strewn. The high priestess is here to let something off her chest about what is best, yes. It's that there's no good or bad, my comrade. It's okay to be sad, we need both for growth. Duh, huh? Stop demonizing the other. Who made you the judge? Don't hold a grudge, budge. Do a sage smudge. We need darkness and the light to take flight. You feel me, right? We're made of might, but how's your third eyesight? She lost partial vision here. And then all this appeared, blockages cleared so she could steer through the multi-sphere. The high priestess is number two. Here to invite you to open up a new view, give you something to chew, a possibility to jump into where magic ensues as we pursue remembering the truth, you sleuth. The fountain of the youth, the fairy of the tooth in an Egyptian pyramid where treasures are hid, the, a sacred geometry grid, the ego and the id. Who am I? Where do the secrets lie? Let's have some pie with ice cream and a side of light beam. It's all a dream or a capitalist pyramid scheme. You pick who's the lunatic. You know, arithmetic one plus one does not equal 1%, but I'm not here to vent. All of that is just meant to prevent our ascent, take us off the scent, put a dent in our descent. We must circumvent our discontent and step off the hamster wheel. Hmm. 
It's in the depths of our wound. We see we're in a cocoon. And don't we wanna be a butterfly flying high so thereby intensify, dig deeper. You are the keeper of more than meets the eye, the whole sky, don't deny. Trust your knowing, which is growing. As we're rowing down memory stream, you seem to remember. Then you leap in, say yes to the spin, my twin, I like your fin. And Atlantis isn't just a lost city. It birthed a committee pretty we're a little witty gathering the flock she's a peacock and they're laying the bedrock tick tock we are the clock we have everything we need we plant seeds and proceed to our sovereign station on this planet earth nation thank you for tuning in to this quantum education now cue your revelation